630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Natea Jay, who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines he goes. Natea Jay, he's got all sorts of daylight. Touchdown, Eskimos, for the win. Dryson over the line, center space, and attack the home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. On the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Your weekend is underway. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports in the NHL tonight. Third period, Coyotes and Golden Knights tied at one. We're going to have several games quite a bit a ways along. We're already over because of the American Thanksgiving holiday. Second period, the Blue Jackets lead the Penguins 3-1. Late in the first, Predators are up 1-0 on the Hurricanes. Earlier, Boston gets a 3-2 overtime win against the Rangers. David Krejci with the game-winning game winner. Pasternak scores again. He now has 24 on the season. The Jets shut out the Ducks. 3-0. Hellebuck with the clean sheet in that game. It is the Sharks knocking off the Kings 4-1. San Jose now up to 14-12-1 on the season. The Avalanche... Another convincing win for them, 5-2 over the Blackhawks. The Wild beat up the Senators, 7-2. Buffalo outscores Toronto, 6-4. Philadelphia topples Detroit. Man, the Wings are having a tough season. 6-1, Philly takes that one. And in overtime, it's Washington jumping past the Lightning, 4-3. Orloff, the game winner, 3-0-3 into the extra session. Ovechkin scored on the power play, his 17th goal of the season. The Oilers will play the Canucks twice this weekend at Rogers Place tomorrow in Vancouver on Sunday. Both games on 6.30, Chad. Both times, 6.30 face-off show, game at 8. Rob Brown is going to join us in about two minutes to set that one up, give some thoughts on the Oilers' season so far. We'll also talk to Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. He got to call that wild one the other night. The Canucks looked like they had it in the bag, but they lost 8-6 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Raptors in action tonight, late in the first half, trailing Orlando 47-40. The U of A Golden Bears will play UBC at 7. The Oil Kings, two home games this weekend. Calgary tomorrow at 2. Regina Sunday at 4. Jake Neighbors, one of the top guns on the Oil Kings, is going to hop on the show a little bit later. Of course, the news out of Calgary today, head coach Brad... Or, Head coach Bill Peters resigns. Brad Trayliving, the GM of the team. There's acceptable and non-acceptable behavior. And I think there's, you know, whether it be in, in dressing rooms or in society, um, we all evolve. You know, I, I certainly, if from, from our standpoint, you want people to feel safe, secure um, in the environment. But I think, I think this is, like I said, it's going to be a learning lesson for everyone. And I hopefully this is... As difficult as these days have been, hopefully this is something that can be positive moving forward. And we'll have more on this story later on in the show as well. Pat Steinberg, the host of Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, will check in. Uh, obviously, this has been uh, quite a story for the National Hockey League, for the uh, world of hockey, and uh, Pat's been right in the middle of it 
on the Flames Radio Network. He'll check in tonight. Also this evening, this is going to be a really interesting perspective. Brendan Tamman is going to be on the show. You probably know that name, especially if you're a CFL fan. Longtime executive in the league. He was a GM in both Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. He has both had to uh, let go of coaches, and he has been fired himself. And we've had that story here in Edmonton this week with Jason Moss being let go. So he'll give you some insight into how that process goes, how the thought process goes for a general manager, what it felt like when he was fired halfway through an 0-9 season with the Rough Riders just a year and a half after winning the Grey Cup with the Riders. And he'll also tell you about the interview process for interviewing a new head coach. And uh, by the way, uh, I have been told that Paul LaPolice had his interview with the Eskimos today, and you've probably seen reports that Mark Killam, the special teams coordinator for the Calgary Stampeders, will be interviewed on Monday. So we'll keep an eye on the Eskimos coaching search as we go along. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for checking in tonight. If you would like to reach out, you can call or text. It's the same number for both, 780-496-0063. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. Pleased to welcome my buddy, Rob Brown to the show. Rob, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right, Reed, and you? I'm doing very well. Looking forward to hanging out with you this weekend. We got the home and home against the Canucks. Before we dive into that stuff, I, I got to ask you: you spent a, you spent your pro hockey career in the United States. Did did you quickly get into the American Thanksgiving customs? Uh, I did. I. Uh, my Thursdays on Thanksgiving in the States was all about eating and football, just like every other American. It is amazing. If anyone has never spent a Thanksgiving in the United States, it's bigger than Christmas. Way bigger than Christmas. This is, everyone comes home, no matter where they are around the States, everybody comes home for, for Thanksgiving to be with family and friends. So uh, it is neat. I certainly got into the, the, the eating and football very big time when I was down in the States. And did you ever have to explain to Americans, well, hey, our Thanksgiving is on a different day? Maybe they didn't even care. They have a reputation for not knowing a lot about other countries. <laughs> they always wondered why we had Thanksgiving because the pilgrims were in Boston, so they weren't sure how we had to celebrate it, too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins will not be playing this weekend. We knew that he would miss at least two games with a hand injury. They, they have put him on IR, but he, but he could return for games next week. Uh, Matt Benning has been activated off injured reserve. So, look, uh, another test for the Oilers with it, without RNH against a pretty good Vancouver team. And we saw in that position, Gagne played really effective in the first game he filled in. But Gagne, like a lot of players, not as effective against Colorado on Wednesday night. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Sam Gagne, as good a professional as he is and the career that he's had, he's not Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And there's going to be a drop-off in the production if, if Sam's in instead of R&H. What he can give you is he can give you short-term Band-Aid, and that's what we saw in, in the first game. But if you a consistent basis at a number two center, this is a guy, and I, and I love Sam, but he, he's a guy that spent time in the minors this year, time in the minors uh, last year. Uh, he's, he's not a second-line center, but he has been a pro, and he has stepped up when he's been called upon, and he gives you flashes. So uh, it's not R&H in the lineup, but it's certainly a veteran that can fill in and not be, um, not get let the moment overtake him. And this is a big moment for the, week, for the weekend for the Oilers 
playing back-to-back against a very good Canuck team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it's interesting to see, Rob, how the Canucks react after their last game. We know how the Oilers have reacted after bad games, and they will try to do it again tomorrow because they, they really got blown out the last two periods against the Avalanche. Vancouver was on the verge of winning a game, or, you know, fairly close to winning a game, and they and they lost 8-6, so you have to wonder how they react, too, after giving up all those goals. That has to be a sickening feeling for them, sickening loss, just like it was for Edmonton. Well, it would have been. The Penguins scored five straight against them in the last 14 minutes of a hockey game. I think that as a leadership group in Vancouver and a coaching staff, they'll look at the first you know, 46 minutes and show how well they played before the game got away from them. Uh, just like the Oilers this year, Vancouver's just learning how to win. This uh, Vancouver, it's been a long time since they've been a factor in the National Hockey League. They're a young team. No one was expecting a whole lot from them last year or this year. But I think they're probably a little ahead of the curve as the Oilers are. I think they've got a number of good young players that have stepped up. they got a young star in Pedersen. Uh, they're getting better goaltending than I think a lot of people around the league expect of out of Markstrom. So as the Oilers, we see them learn how to win certain types of games, learn how to come back, learn how to hold a lead, learn how to have consistency. The Canucks are going through the same type of process in Vancouver. So as we look forward to see another rebound from the Oilers tomorrow night, I would imagine the Vancouver Canucks brass is looking for the same kind of rebound from them. Rob Brown joining us on Inside Sports. Both Oilers-Canucks games on 6.30, Chet, this weekend. The stat, Rob, is this. Since 05-06, that's the start of the salary cap here in the NHL, 76% of the teams in a playoff spot on American Thanksgiving wound up making the playoffs. Now, the 24% who didn't make it are saying, what's the big deal about that stat? But, you know, the Oilers aren't just in. Uh, they're first in the division. You know, they have their seven or more points up on, on most teams in the division, which is, uh, which is a healthy lead. You know, they gave all the right clips yesterday. It's, it's one day at a time. There's a lot of track left. But, but Dave, I, I asked Dave Tippett, what does this prove? And, and he said, well, it's, it's hard to, he said it's hard to stretch it out in the NHL. That's how he put it. And he also said the three-point games make a big difference. Well, they do. They, they certainly do, especially when teams from the same conference or same division play each other. You always seem to see a, a, an overtime win, which means both teams picked up points on you. Even the team that lost got a point on you. Uh, what the Oilers have done in the first third of the season has been great. I mean, they're near the top or at the top in, in the National Hockey League in the Western Conference for, for a number of days. They've banked points. These points don't disappear if they have a struggle sometime in the next 40 or 50 games. They, they get to keep those points. So they worked hard for them. There's going to be stretches where things don't go as well. There's going to be injury problems. There's going to be games where the bounces don't go for them. But they banked a number of points that other teams right now are desperate for. They don't have to play a perfect remainder of the season to be a playoff hockey club. But there are a number of teams that are coming from behind, and, and you look at uh, San Jose and, and Vegas, uh, teams like that, the Calgary Flames, they've got to play a perfect second half of the season because they put themselves in a big hole. We saw last year as possible. St. Louis went from the worst team in the league to winning the Stanley Cup, but they played absolutely perfect hockey from January 1st on. So the Oilers have got a little bit of leeway. 
you don't want to give that back. You want to make sure you continue to go forward. But it, what they've done in the first part of the season here has given themselves confidence, and that is huge right now. They got confidence in their goaltending, confidence in their specialty teams, and as of late, they got confidence in their secondary scoring coming through at big moments. Mentioned Ryan Nugent Hopkins won't play this weekend. Defenseman Chris Russell is expected to be in the lineup. Missed part of the game against the Avalanche. Did not practice yesterday. The Oilers took today off. Dave Tippett described it as part of his ear hanging off when he saw him lying on the table. Uh, cut to the ear that, that kept them out of that game. Uh, that sounds gross. It sounds painful. I, I know you've told me you've had your nose broken several times and, and you know teeth and all that kind of stuff. Uh, anything with the ear or near the ear that you had to experience as a player? I, I got whacked in the ear. I've never got stitches in it. But I, getting whacked in the ear hurts. Getting your ear cut open and getting stitches in it, 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 it I can, I've seen guys that have had this happen to them, and big, strong, tough, mean guys that are brought to their knees and, and crying like babies. It is painful, absolutely painful. Uh, but it doesn't surprise me with Russell. This is a guy that uh, he'll see someone winding up, and he knows that guy shoots at 102 miles an hour and he'll be putting his body in front of it because that's what he's supposed to do. So uh, what, probably, I know in boxing they have a term, toughest pound-for-pound pound fighter. Well, Russell might be the toughest pound-for-pound pound player in the National Hockey League for what he put his body through game in, game out. All right. Rob, have fun tonight. Going to see you twice this weekend, man. Should be good against the Canucks. Thanks for checking in this evening. Sounds good, Reed. Have a good one. All right, Rob Brown on the way to actually uh, watch his son in a play tonight. So glad Rob Brown found time to jump in tonight. Oilers and Canucks, home and home this weekend. Both nights, 6.30 face-off show. Game will start at 8 here on 6.30 Chat. Now, we have our Join the Team code word. This is for our Join the Team contest to spend uh, a day, a game day around the Oilers. You come to the morning skate, you get to hang out with me, Jack, and Bob. You get to meet members of Oilers management. You get interviewed on the face-off show. And you also will get to be in the Oilers team picture on whatever day they take that. So the word I'm going to give, you go to the contest page on 630shed.com. Look for the Join the Team promotion, and you enter this in. It is Breakaway. Breakaway is today's work. We're back after the break. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962. All right, well, I screwed up. The code word is referee. I gave the wrong code word. Unforgivable. I apologize. The code word is referee. So enter referee for today's code word for our Join the Team contest. The important thing is never try. So the important thing is, is that I, on Friday, I read the code word next to Friday, not the code word next to Thursday. Got it. So I was reading Breakaway, and I thought, but didn't we say that already? So I apologize, everybody. I am a goofball. You text six thirty, or you can text. Uh, now I'm giving the old text, text code. I gotta get back at it. Reset. Here we I go. I gotta regroup. I gotta refocus. I gotta bounce back, just like the Oilers. You can text 780-496-0063. That is our phone number as well. Brendan Batchelor, the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, coming up. Brendan Batchelor, uh, I believe, followed Morley Scott 
as the play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Giants I did in the WHL. That. Yes, because Morley uh, went and did the Giants for a season, then got the Eskimos job, and uh, Brendan moved in there, and now Brendan is doing Canucks games. So that's a cool little trajectory there. All right. Uh, I want to catch up on some text, 780-496-0063. Davis says, hey, Reed, the Oilers are in trouble without R&H. No suitable fill-in for games of this magnitude. It'll have to be the Leon and Connor show this weekend. That is from Davis. Well, Rob Brown and I touched on that uh, a little bit. Sam Gagne... You know, he, he's been all over the map this season. He's been in the minors, and he's played on each of the Oilers' four lines at some point. And he's had some good games, and he's had some quieter games, filling in at second-line center Sunday against Arizona. Had a really good game. Was obviously not as noticeable against Colorado, although I think you can say that about the whole whole team. Uh, the Oilers did not skate today. They have put Nuge on injured reserve. Matt Benning's been activated. Alex Chason will see if he can go tomorrow. So the second line could be Gagne, Neal, and someone else. I would think it would be Kara who would pop up there if uh, if Chason's not ready to go, as Kara did practice in that slot yesterday. Alex writes in as well. He says, Mark Killam should be the Eskimos' next coach. He comes from a winning organization. He's a special teams coach. That's exactly what the Eskimos need. The Eskimos have not had good special teams in years. Thanks. That is from Alex texting 7804960063. Well, that's, the, that's an interesting way to look at it. Obviously, he's been with a very successful Stampeders organization. And, I mean, obviously, Alex, yeah, you nailed that The Eskimos special teams have been, uh, especially the return side of things, has been underwhelming for quite a while. They have that, what is it now, four-season touchdown drought in terms of a return touchdown. Mike O'Shea was a special teams coordinator. Now he's been the coach in Winnipeg for six seasons. And it wasn't always rosy for O'Shea in Winnipeg. His first couple of years weren't that good, but he got them over the hump and to the top of the hill this year. Lawrence says, Hi, Reed. Paul LaPolice would be a great offensive coordinator for the Eskimos, but not good as a head coach. He ultimately failed while he was in Winnipeg. Well, LaPolice took the Bombers to the Grey Cup in 2011. They lost to the BC Lions. Uh, I believe they were 2-6 and six the next year, and uh, and he got fired. So less than half a season after taking a team to the Grey Cup, he was removed as their head coach. He's been back as the uh, Bombers offensive coordinator for the last few years. Maria says, uh, Paul Lapolice is exactly what the Eskimos need in a head coach. He has experience and creativity. The Winnipeg offense was the most unpredictable in the CFL this past season. That is from Maria. And we know that uh, LaPolice and Mark Killam are indeed in the mix for the Eskimos job. Murr, the Flames guy, says, Hey, Reed, if I win the contest, can I wear my Flames jersey for the team photo? No, but I'll allow you to wear it for the interview on the Faceoff show, Murr. Brendan Batchelor. What was it like calling that Canucks game? We'll start there when we get back. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by Cam LLP Injury Lawyers. Representing injured people in Edmonton and across Alberta since 1962.
Arizona and Vegas tied 1-1 late in the second period. Columbus leading Pittsburgh 4-1. Start of the second period, Nashville with a 2-0 cushion on Carolina. Just getting underway, St. Louis and Dallas. The Bruins knock off the Rangers 3-2 in overtime. San Jose wins again 4-1 over the Kings. Winnipeg shuts out Anaheim 3-zip. Colorado Avalanche beat the Chicago Blackhawks 5-2. Minnesota rolls over Ottawa 7-2. The Flyers take it to the Red Wings 6-1. Buffalo defeats Toronto 6-4. Capitals get a 4-3 overtime win against the Lightning. A lot of finals already because of American Thanksgiving, so there were matinees. We had a matinee American Thanksgiving Friday last year on 6.30. Chad, the Oilers played in Anaheim. It was Ken Hitchcock's second game as uh, head coach. The Oilers were up 1-0. Anaheim tied it late in the third and then won it early in overtime. Part of a 13-game stretch that saw the Oilers go 9-2-2 under Ken Hitchcock when he took over. And uh, they rolled into December looking not bad, and then it pretty much fell apart after that. Oil Kings tomorrow, home to Calgary. Oil Kings Sunday, home to Regina, 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock respectively. Oilkings.ca for ticket info for the full schedule. Jake Neighbors from your Oil Kings coming up later this half hour. The Oilers farm team. Bakersfield Condors in action a little bit later on tonight against San Jose. And basketball tonight, the Raptors trailing the Magic 53-50 halfway through the third quarter. And, of course, the Oilers getting ready to take on the Canucks. Gets it ahead for Pearson. Back to Goddard on the left wing. Around Latang going to the goal. Shoots and scores. Adam Goddard with his second of the night. Sixth of the season. And the Canucks are up by three. What is happening? Holy guacamole, Adam Gaudet is on fire, Brendan. Goes on to the right wing for Evgeny Malkin, top of the circle. Malkin tees up a drive and scores! Now Marino with a drive for the line, stop, Reno, they score! Zach Aston Reese in the slot and Pittsburgh comes all the way back with three straight goals to tie the game at six. With it down low was Gensel, then for Malkin, rink wide pass, trying to spring Dumoulin down the left wing, but it was out of his reach and rolls into the corner. Malkin gets it there, behind the net for Gensel. Then to the right circle, Latane with a one-timer, he scores! And Travis Green might be challenging this. Yeah, it looks like he is. I wonder if it was offside. After the coach's challenge, it was determined the play was onside. We have a good goal. Wow. I might have to go to referee score because I don't... I cannot believe that. I really can't. Grayevac wins the faceoff. And the game comes to an end. And what a game it was, Hershey. The Pittsburgh Penguins trailed 6-3 to three with 15 minutes left in this game, but they score five straight goals. It was a game the Vancouver Canucks had under control until they didn't. 8-6 Penguins with the final. The play-by-play voice in that audio recap is this fine young man, Brendan Batchelor, who we welcome back to the show. Brendan, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Good. Uh, thanks for having me, Reed. Appreciate it. It is, uh, it is very good to talk to you. And uh, we, we heard your call there. What is going on? Uh, was, that, <laughs> was that Hirsch with the holy guacamole? It was, yeah. He, he likes to throw that in occasionally. And little did we know that, you know, at that point, the Canucks had trailed 2-1 to one after 1, uh, had looked very poor in the first period. They were outshot 14-3 to three 
in the first and were lucky to be in a two-on hockey game. Then they scored three unanswered in the second and were up four to two after two. Then the Penguins scored to make it four three a minute into the third period, and then the Canucks scored twice in 35 seconds, and that was when they were up six to three. And even we in the booth were thinking, okay, you know, they've they've separated themselves now. This game is probably over, and as you heard there, it certainly wasn't. It's one of the craziest games I've ever had the chance to watch. Yeah, well, and and the chance to call, and, I, and like, and I, look, I know, and same for me. Like that, this is our jobs. We we take in the games, we report on the games, you you call the games. Mm-hmm. But sure, I mean, I've had moments where it's like, man, I, I can't believe I'm actually watching this. Was that because I imagine five, ten, fifteen years from now, you're going to have called thousands of games, but you'll probably remember that one. Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll stand out for sure. Uh, it, it, it was strange too. And, and the the funny thing is, the Canucks almost went up seven to three as well. They had a power play uh, just a few minutes after they had scored the six three goal, and they hit a goal post. Then they come back the other way. JT Miller takes a hooking penalty, so they go to four on four for about a minute. The Penguins score. Then they're on the penalty kill. The Penguins score again, and suddenly a game that was six three is six five. And that building in Pittsburgh was absolutely jumping at that point. And uh, this is still a young Canuck team that's learning how to win games, that has some pretty key veteran players, especially in their bottom six up front out of the lineup right now. And it just started to slide from there. They couldn't get it back on the rails after that. Well, I had the little clip there of you guys talking about the offside challenge. Rob Brown and I were watching that a couple of days ago, but we were, we were doing our own pregame show, mm-hmm. so we had the TV on without the sound, so we couldn't totally engage with the highlight, but we, we both kind of looked at each other that, that we, thought it was, we thought it was offside. Uh, it looked like the skates preceded the puck just just a little bit. Uh, I, what did you think at the time, and did you go back and look at anything that, that changed your mind? Yeah, at the time, I was thinking the same thing, that uh, the skates looked like they clearly preceded the puck. Uh, but, but upon a uh, closer look at the rule book, you are not able to put yourself offside. Uh, so what they were actually looking at was Chris Letang was coming across the blue line as well, and they thought he was offside. Uh, so, so they were challenging for that, but they didn't have any good looks at it because there were a number of bodies uh, right along the blue line. So at the time, I, I was somewhat blown away that, that we thought it was coming back, and you heard our reaction there on the call. But, uh, but with the, the limited angles and, and ability to see down the blue line uh, in terms of looking for the other player who was offside, uh, that was the decision they came to. And, you know, Travis Green in Vancouver has, has received some criticism for the decision to challenge that one because, you know, it was one of those plays that, you know, was pretty much a coin flip as to whether it was going to come back or not. There were still three minutes left in the hockey game at that point. Uh, so, you know, instead of challenging and then having to kill off two minutes of that, they could have just said, okay, we'll, we'll let it go and, and tried to tie the game with three minutes left. As it happened, they had to kill the penalty off, and then in the final minute they weren't able to muster enough of a push, and the Penguins got an empty net goal. But my initial reaction was that I thought it should have been offside, and then uh, looking back at it, I think it's one of those tough situations that we see so many close calls all year long that, uh, that the officials probably got it right in terms of what was available to them at the time. Yeah, and that is kind of a funny rule with the offside. If, if like, if if I'm on a breakaway, I could skate over the blue line backwards, but if I'm in control of the puck, you can't put yourself 
offside. You, you, you're, the puck carrier's skates can be over the line first. Exactly. As long as he's controlling the puck, yeah. So how have the, how have the Canucks reacted to this over the last couple of days? I'm sure they're, they had to talk about it a lot after the game and, and the day after. And, and in general, how have they been from bouncing back from disappointing games? Because that's been a strength of the Oilers this year is how they've recovered. Yeah, they've usually bounced back with strong performances. Uh, obviously, there's a, a tremendous amount of disappointment uh, for that result, for sure. And then also, the game before in Philadelphia, they lost 2-1 to one in a very tight game that they didn't play very well, and they gave up the game-winning goal in the last half of the third period as well. So in many ways, it felt like a here-we-go-again where two straight games, uh, they, they find a way to not even get a point in a game where in both of them they probably could have at least got one and tried to push it to overtime. So uh, they're, they're wrapping up a season-long six-game road trip tomorrow night against the Oilers, and they've got a chance to be 500 on that trip if they can get the win tomorrow night. So that'll be the focus for them. They seem like a motivated group, uh, and you know they have responded well to this point in the season when they've had disappointing performances. They've been a pretty consistent hockey team in terms of the process. There aren't very many nights where we've been able to say that they were uh, they didn't bring enough effort or they were very clearly the second-best team on the ice, although I think that Pittsburgh game is certainly one of those, and uh, they'll be a motivated group to try and get two points against the Oilers, but it's going to be a tough challenge for them, to be honest, because they're still missing a couple of key centermen down the middle who aren't necessarily household names in the NHL, but Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle are both not expected to be back in the lineup tomorrow against the Oilers. And again, as much as they're not household names, they're both centermen that Travis Green trusts and uses in defensive zone starts and matchup roles. And without those guys, he has to lean a lot more on the captain, Bo Horvat, and to a lesser extent, Elias Pettersson, to, to play some matchup minutes, to play in the defensive zone. And so those guys aren't quite as freed up to provide the offense that you would hope for with this organization with some of the other guys down the middle out of the lineup. Well, yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup down the middle because Nugent Hopkins won't play either game. So you got mm-hmm. three significant centers uh, out of the lineup, so a chance for somebody to step up or maybe a chance for the opponent to take advantage of a, of a hole, hole or two in the lineup. Uh, Brenda, the beauty of uh, live radio on our text line, sometimes I get questions from listeners. You're a popular young man. Uh, <laughs> this texture says, Reed, can you ask your guest about Goldobin? He, he was just recently called up again, wasn't he? He has, yeah. So uh, Nikolai Goldobin has been uh, a bit of an enigma in, in terms of what he's provided the Canucks. He's a skilled forward. He was a first-round pick of the San Jose Sharks. They got him a few years ago in a trade with Yannick Hansen. And he has never really been able to find a consistent offensive game at the NHL level. But he's been tremendous in the American Hockey League when he's played down there. At the time, he was called up. Heading into the Pittsburgh game, he was eighth in the league in scoring, was leading the Utica Comets in terms of offense. Uh, he, he seems to be, to this point anyway, one of those players who is too good for the American League and maybe not quite there in terms of the National Hockey League. They called him up because they, they need some offense. They had been struggling scoring at five-on-five five prior to the game against Pittsburgh, where they get five goals at five-on-five, so things turned around for them there, but Travis Green doesn't have a lot of trust in him. Uh, His game isn't necessarily that well-rounded. Defensively, he has been a liability when he's been with the Canucks, and early on in that game, I mentioned the Canucks had an uh, an abysmal first period, being outshot 14-3. to Travis Green is also known for putting his lines in the blender 
uh, in game if he doesn't like the way his team his team is playing. So Goldobin started the game playing on a line with Elias Pettersson and JT Miller and was dropped off that line early in the first period and, and didn't play a whole lot the rest of the game. So he's one of those guys that you just always want a little bit more out of him. And as of yet, he hasn't been able to bring that at the NHL level. Uh, there's a chance he's in the lineup tomorrow uh, in terms of the line rushes at Canuck practice today. He was swapping in and out with Louis Erickson on the Horvat line. And Erickson is another player who has been a massive disappointment during his time in Vancouver. So it looks like one of those guys will play and one of them will not. Um, but that, that would be sort of my, my short summary of Nikolai Goldobin is an incredibly skilled player who just hasn't been able to put it together at the NHL level to this point. Yeah, we see those guys sometimes, right? They light it up in the AHL, and then you just kind of see them in the NHL, and it doesn't look like they're, they're bringing too much. Brendan, it's always great to have you on the show. I will see you at the rink tomorrow morning. It's always great to catch up. Thanks for your perspective on the Canucks, man. Sounds good. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Brendan Batchelor checking in from Sportsnet 650. Uh, so, yeah, he touched on the Canucks injuries for the Oilers. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has been placed on injured reserve. He will not play this weekend. Matt Benning has been activated. Uh, we'll see about Alex Chason. He had some tests after taking that big hit from Ryan Graves. Chris Russell is expected to play tomorrow. Had that big uh, cut to the ear against the Avalanche on Wednesday night. Now, the Oilers did not practice today, so some of that information from yesterday, though the Oilers did announce this afternoon, Nuge on injured reserve, Benning activated. Two games at home for the Oil Kings this weekend. We'll talk to one of their top players, Jake Neighbors, when we get back. Hi, this is Armando Sewell of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. CFL All-Star Armando Sewell. Eskimos searching for a new head coach. Paul Lapolice, Mark Killam being interviewed for that job. The Edmonton Oil Kings are 15-6-6 on the season. They'll try to add a couple more to the win column. Home against Calgary tomorrow, Regina on Sunday. Oil Kings winger Jake Neighbors checking in. Jake, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's nice to have you on the show again, and I'm sure you're feeling good to be back in Edmonton, back in your familiar surroundings after a bit of a, a bit of a long road trip. Yeah, it's nice to be home. Uh, it's good to get on the road with the guys around so long, but um, always nice to get home. What kind of things do you do on the road to keep your mind occupied to, to get through some of the long bus trips? Uh, I mean, do you dive into your schoolwork? Is it a movie? Is it, uh, is it reading a book? Uh, how do you try to pass the time and stay focused? Yeah, I think schoolwork's definitely one of the things that I tend to, I mean, I do a little bit of, but I think majority of it is just hanging out with the guys, playing cards, uh, watching movies, whatever that may be. Uh, we play a lot of cards on the bus, so I'd say that's probably the main one. Take us through how you think you played on the road trip. You wound up with a 500 record, some pretty good wins. I know a couple games you probably feel that might have snuck away from you a little bit. How do you assess it overall? Yeah, I think overall it's a pretty good road trip. I mean, we come out of there uh, with five points, I think, and uh, looking back at it, I think we could have easily came out with seven or eight. So, uh, you know, like you said, let a couple points slip away, but... Uh, I think the important thing to look at is our uh, our play as a team is trending in the right way. We just got um, to work on playing a full 60 minutes, but I think overall it was, it was a good road trip for us. 
You know, team play overall, there was a lot expected from the Oil Kings this season. I think for the most part, you've lived up to it. I mean, you're 15-6-6, you're six six, second in the division to Lethbridge, and they're having a good year as well. How do you feel overall where you're at as opposed to where you were hoping you would be? Yeah, I think uh, we're at a good spot. I think we're happy with where we're at right now. Um, you know, as of late, we've been losing a couple more games than we would have liked. But um, you know, we've been getting the extra, or we've been getting the overtime there, and um, you know, getting at least one point. So that's helping in the standings. But um, when you're playing a division like ours, it's pretty tight. You want to get that extra point pretty much every time. So um, we've been losing, uh, you know, a couple more games than we would like. But I think we're for sure happy with uh, where we're at. We got to get back to our winning ways here. So. Your personal game, Jake, uh, I mean, you're one of the, the top guns on the team. You're over a point a game, six goals, 29 points in 27 games. You personally give us a bit of a personal assessment here. Yeah, I think I've been playing, uh, you know, a pretty solid game uh, for the most part this year. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, getting older in the league and stuff like that. My second year now, I think confidence is, is a big thing, and that's allowed me to um, you know, play with more confidence in my game and be able to make plays and produce, uh, you know, better numbers for the team. And um, that comes with opportunity as well. I mean, kind of been stepped up into a little bit of a bigger role this year. So i um, been trying my best to, you know, fill the holes that we lost last year. And uh, I think I've done a pretty good job with it. Um, you know, I've got aspects to my game that are, are pretty rare and I've tried to um, apply those every night. How much of that confidence comes with experience, having to been through the league, bigger players, faster players, is just, you know, playing now close to 80 games in the WHL, is is that the main area that you draw that confidence from, or, or is it just purely performance-based, points-based for you? Yeah, I think uh, for sure experience is the number one thing when, um, you know, getting that long run in the playoffs last year and getting to learn from guys like uh, Trey Fix-Lansky uh, and what he did last year is um, definitely, it, it's big for a young guy like me and confidence going into his second year and um, you know obviously numbers are nice but they're not everything and I think like you said experience is really important and uh, it's been pretty valuable for me this year. All right, Jake Neighbors from the Oil Kings joining us in Inside Sports. Couple of home games coming up this weekend. Uh, you play Calgary tomorrow, part of a doubleheader at Rogers Place. You guys are at two, the Oilers are at eight, and then right back at it against Regina at uh, at four o'clock on Sunday. Uh, how how do you like the the, the weekend uh, the weekend matinees? Uh, are are you a guy who who likes to play the earlier games, or do you struggle a little bit when the clock's uh, different than what it usually might be? Yeah, I honestly, personally, I don't mind the the bit of the earlier game. Uh, there's not much sitting around all day, kind of waiting for the time to head to the rink. So, um, personally, I'm a pretty eager guy. I like to just you know get to the rink and get going. The seven o'clock game sometimes is there's a pretty big gap there, and it's nice to get some rest. But uh, you know, every once in a while, uh, a two o'clock game where you just get to wake up, kind of get a meal in you, and head right to the rink isn't a bad thing. You get right into it. So, um, I don't mind them. Tell us a little bit about the Calgary Hitmen, uh, you know, the obvious rivalry, the Battle of Alberta, and you also saw them in the postseason last year. What do you expect tomorrow? Yeah, I think they're a really aggressive team, and um, they got some skill up front. They can uh, put up some numbers and some really big D that can, you know, box you out, keep it outside of the ice. So um, they're obviously a really skilled team, and uh, we've had some success, some success with, again, play pace and um, you know try to outscape the opponent and it's something we look to do every night and um, if we can do that and, and get to the middle of the ice we'll, we'll find success 
All right, Jake. Well, thanks for fitting us in today. Glad to have you guys back in town. All the best this weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Reed. Jake, neighbors of your Edmonton Oil Kings. They play tomorrow and Sunday. Also tomorrow, it's Small Business Saturday. If you're looking to support local businesses this weekend or any other, you might want to consider grabbing a bite at Nietzsche's Pizza. Calling the gentlemen plumbers if you need them. Advantage Trailer Rentals, also a great local business. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. More on the Bill Peters saga with Pat Steinberg when we get back. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News, and on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms. <laughs>